lecture is taken from the graduate course Introduction to Charitable Planning at Texas Tech University. To download the PowerPoint slides for this lecture, or to take the online quiz for this lecture, or to find out more about the Graduate Certificate in Charitable Financial Planning at Texas Tech University, go to EncourageGenerosity.com. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, this concept of income limitations and um, uh, where it comes from. Okay, so let's start real basic. Um, uh, there's no prerequisites for this class, so let's start at this. We pay income taxes, okay? Uh, that will become relevant here soon because charitable gifts can sometimes be deducted uh, and uh, from taxable income and thereby reducing taxes owed. Okay, so basic concepts here. We pay taxes, and sometimes we can deduct charitable gifts uh, in order to reduce those taxes. Okay. However, as you may have discovered, if you look over the, have looked over the chapter at this point, charitable deductions are limited to 20, 30, or 50% of income, depending on the gift and the recipient. So let's think about that idea for just a minute as to why should we have that policy? I mean, why do we want to do this to start with? Why, why do we want to say uh, you can't deduct more than 20 or 30 or 50 percent of your income through charitable deductions? What's the reason for this policy? Well, one thought is that it's the idea that we want to encourage charitable gifts with government policy, but we still need to have some money going to government. Uh, so it's the idea that, um, yes, uh, you can deduct, but you still need to pay something because the government still needs some money. And so on an individual level, we still want people to pay some of their, uh, of their money to, uh, to, the, uh, to the government. The other is uh, sort of a, uh, a notion that's disconcerting to some, that if we didn't have limitations on how much you could deduct uh, for charitable gifts, that those with high assets uh, and even relatively high income could actually pay zero taxes by annually transferring assets to charity. So if you were very wealthy uh, and you had uh, sort of a normal income, you wouldn't necessarily ever have to pay taxes. You just transfer uh, over some of your wealth that equals your annual income and you would pay no taxes. And, and to some people that concept is offensive, that we would have people who have a lot of wealth and who have a reasonably high amount of income that just wouldn't pay any taxes at all because they would just make charitable gifts such that there would be uh, no taxation. And so because that concept is, uh, is a potentially an offensive one, uh, it's set up that there are limitations on how much, uh, not how much charitable giving you can do, but how much charitable deductions uh, you can have. So sometimes when you first get into this topic, this question comes up. Who is it that's giving away this much of their income to start with? I mean, why is this really a planning issue? Uh, are, are, we, are we planning for monks that are you know, just taking a vow of poverty and every time they get a paycheck, they're giving the whole thing over to charity and we need to plan for these people? That's not exactly where this is an issue, um, although theoretically it could be. Uh, actually, where this is an issue is when you're dealing with clients who have assets uh, substantially greater than their income. And it comes into play when people are planning for uh, transfers out of assets uh, to a charity. Uh, and when they make those transfers out of assets, 
uh, those transfers may be much larger uh, than, uh, than any uh, corresponding uh, income. Uh, and here's an example of a picture of Bill Gates as to, how, as to a circumstance where his charitable transfer uh, would be much, much higher than any income that he would declare in any particular year. Okay, so let's talk about what the limitations are. The reason we care about limitations is that if we have clients who are planning transfers of assets from wealth, uh, they may very well be uh, higher than their annual income. Some gifts may be deducted up to 50% of income if given to a public charity, government, or operating private foundation. Operating private foundation is uh, basically something that functions just like a public charity. Uh, there aren't that many of them. It's, uh, it's actually engaged in, um, in, in the business of a charitable activity. That's not the typical. When you think of private foundation, when most people say that, they mean a non-operating private foundation, which is something that just holds money and then makes, uh, uh, makes uh, um, grants to other organizations. That's the typical private foundation. So we're just going to refer to these 50% organizations as public charities. Okay? Um, what is a public charity? A public charity is an organization that is uh, actively engaged in a charitable purpose that gets money from a lot of different sources. The simple definition of what a public charity is. Um, okay, so 50% limit. We start with something very sim simple. If you give money to a public charity, and here I've used the Salvation Army as an example, 50% uh, limit applies, meaning that you can deduct uh, up to 50% uh, of your income for these kinds of gifts. Uh, now, this is also true with different kinds of property. Ordinary income property, if somebody's in the business of something and they're giving uh, that, uh, uh, that those items that if they were sold would count as ordinary income, that is also going to have a 50% limit uh, to a public charity. Uh, any kind of inventory, if somebody's in business and they give inventory away, that also uh, has a 50% uh, limit uh, to a public charity. That's the top limit or the highest limit. And then finally, short-term capital gains. Here, capital gains that occur uh, uh, during, uh, within one year or less, uh, those also have a 50% limit. So uh, what other kinds of organizations do we deal with? Well, in large part, uh, the other charitable organizations, which are largely uh, private foundations, uh, the typical private foundation is a non-operating foundation, uh, the maximum deduction for giving to those organizations is 30%. It can be less, but 30%. So basically, if you're a public charity, 50% is your maximum. If you are a private foundation, 30% is your maximum. And it's the idea that we want to give preference to public charities, so we give a higher uh, level of, uh, of deductibility uh, to uh, public charities than to uh, private foundations. These are most commonly family foundations. We'll talk more about those later in the semester, uh, but these are uh, these have a lower income uh, really limit. Different? What's the difference between a public and a private? Well, there's there's two major differences. Uh, one is uh, this concept of operating versus non-operating. So, uh, a, an operating a, a a public charity is actually itself engaged in the work. So, uh, you know, looking at Salvation Army, they're actually feeding people, uh, they actually have employees that work with homeless people, that uh, do all the various activities that they do. Private foundations, such as, for example, the Gates Foundation, 
familiar with that. The Gates Foundation doesn't hire people uh, who are employees of the Gates Foundation to go out and, uh, and, and cure uh, uh, diseases uh, in uh, third world countries. They, in fact, are a grant-making organization. They ask people who want to cure diseases, uh, apply for money, tell us why we should give you money and what you're going to do with it, and then we'll write a check, and, uh, and then that organization uh, can, uh, can go do uh, what they uh, said they were going to do with the, with the grant money. So one concept is this non-operating. Private family foundations are not doing the charitable work. They're simply holding money and then distributing it to charitable organizations. The other distinction is that a public charity is an organization that's going to receive gifts from a lot of different people. Uh, it's out there asking for money and receiving money from a lot of different people, whereas uh, the family foundations typically don't. They typically receive all of their gifts from one family or just a handful of people. Uh, and that's another reason that they're not, they're, they're not public. Uh, they're, they're not operating. Uh, and they are not, um, and, and they're not receiving money from a lot of different people. Um, the uh, Gates Foundation receives money from basically two uh, important people, uh, but uh, by and large, people uh, don't uh, don't write checks to the Gates Foundation. So it's not a public uh, charity for that reason, and it's not a private operating foundation because it just basically just makes grants. So that's the distinction be between the two two concepts there. I mean, ultimately what happens is the money in these family foundations usually winds up going to, um, or oftentimes winds up going to uh, um, uh, pu uh, public charities, but they're not operating in and of themselves. Uh, and so you've got a 30, per yes, sorry. Fraternal organizations are 30% limit organizations. So there's, there's actually, uh, in the chapter, there's kind of a laundry list of all the different kind of organizations that are 30% and all the different kind of organizations that are 50%. Um, and fraternal organizations actually wind up going in the 30% category. Um, and I, I didn't put all of them in there uh, because, I mean, 50% organizations, I think there's a list of like 60 different kinds, but... Just the basic idea that the most common 30% organization are private family foundations. Second most common would be um, fraternal uh, associations. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the example here, um, you know, you hear maybe the Gates Foundation is in trouble, needs a little bit of money, and so you write a check and send it in uh, that you can do that up to 30% of your income, and I'm sure it will make a big impact on that foundation. Um, same thing as we go through. Uh, ordinary income property, anything that counts as ordinary income is going to get that same 30% limit if it goes to uh, a, a, a private foundation um, inventory, same way, 30%, which is the top limit for private foundation, and short-term capital gain property. So same basic concept here with all of these uh, money and uh, uh, short-term capital gain and uh, ordinary income property, all of it gets the maximum limit. The maximum limit for private non-operating foundations is 30%. Okay? Uh, so essentially all of these different uh, kinds, uh, all of these different things are treated the same for income limits. Whether you give cash, you give inventory, you give a short-term uh, capital gain, uh, anything that's ordinary income, it's all treated the same and it all gets the maximum limit 
maximum based upon the uh, kind of organization that you're that you're giving to. Um, okay, so what else do we have? Well, we've got long-term capital gain property. That's capital gain property that uh, has been held for more than a year. Uh, so an example, long-term capital gain property is, well, real estate's an example. Uh, if you hold it for more than a year, and here we've got an example of capital gain property that was uh, purchased some years ago and is now uh, has a higher value. Uh, more commonly, we're dealing with uh, stock, and so here, uh, split adjusted, if you bought Microsoft in 1990, uh, you bought it for a dollar a share, and current value is about $25 a share. Uh, so if you've held on to that stock during that period of time, you have long-term capital gain property. Um, so uh, what kind of limits do we have for long-term capital gain uh, property? Uh, well, this is where it gets a little bit, uh, a little bit tricky. Um, we've got a 30% limit or we've got a 50% limit. Uh, the 30% uh, limit is if we give this uh, long-term capital gain property over to a public charity, we have a 30% limit, and we can deduct the uh, current value, in this case the $25 a share. Now, if you want, you can opt into or you can elect to have a 50% limit. But if you elect the 50% limit, then the only thing you get to deduct is your uh, basis, uh, your uh, cost basis in this case, uh, when you give it over to uh, the charity. You deduct the cost basis instead of the, instead of the current value. I mean, if it's lower, uh, if the cost basis is higher, you don't get to deduct that. Yeah. So for that, you just have to determine what's going to be most beneficial for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, you're going to look at, uh, it's, uh, it's rarely the case that you'd run into a situation where it's beneficial to make this election, uh, but theoretically it's possible. You could have somebody making a transfer that's large enough that you say, you know, look, it doesn't matter, we're going to be at 50, like for example when Gates made a huge uh, transfer of, of stock into his foundation. Of course, that's not a public charity, so it's a bad example, but if he was making it to a public charity, you could have a situation where you say the, the amount that's being transferred is so much larger than income that we really need that 50% limit. Or you could have assets that haven't really gone up much. You know, maybe you bought it for a dollar and now it's worth $1.05. Okay, well, if you're given a lot of that and you're starting to hit the limit, then, you know, then it's more likely that you'd trade the other one. It'd be 30 at the dollar or 50 at the dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then it then it'd be a little bit closer trade-off. And again, you, you have to be making a large enough transfer out of assets that you're bumping up against the income limitations. Okay, yeah. When we say income limitations, are we talking about AGI or just above-the-line income? Well, what we're talking about is, uh, and I just use the term income, we're talking about AGI with a little asterisk. And the little asterisk is uh, it's AGI, but you don't get to count um, the, uh, uh, there, there's uh, carryback losses, uh, which is sort of a special calculation you do, and you don't get to uh, change your AGI for your, uh, for your losses that you're uh, carrying uh, uh, from, from a different year. So uh, most texts will just say AGI. Um, I'm just using the term income here, but just think of it as AGI because there's only that one small exception. It doesn't really come up that often, yeah. Um, 
we'll get to that in just a second. Okay, and that actually turns out to be a fairly tiny exception, um, but it's confusing language more than anything. Um, okay, so uh, what else uh, do we have here? We've got this special election uh, that you could choose to make. Um, and again, you're going with basis instead of value if you make that election. Uh, and then for a private operating, uh, for a private non-operating foundation, uh, we hit the 20% limit whenever we're giving, uh, giving the um, uh, long-term capital gain. And that 20% limit is not something you can elect into or elect out of. Uh, it's simply 20% max if you're giving long-term capital gain into a private foundation. Okay. So, so the philosophy is that tax policy has wants to show preferences for the kinds of charitable giving that are better and the kinds of charitable giving that are sort of less desired. So the most preferable kind of charitable giving is cash to a public charity. Okay? So as far as government policy goes, that is the best kind of charitable giving you can do. It's not complicated, you don't have to track anything, you don't have to value anything, you just write a check to a public charity. So we want to give that the, the highest benefit, 50%. Okay. Now, the, uh, the, the sort of less uh, beneficial thing you could do is you could um, transfer uh, long-term capital gain property over to a charity. Uh, why is that less beneficial? Well, because you get more tax advantages doing that. Uh, if you are giving long-term capital gain property uh, to a public charity, you are basically avoiding the capital gains tax completely because you're not selling it. And when it gets sold, it's a charity that's selling it and the charity doesn't pay taxes. So from a tax policy perspective, it's a little bit less favored because you're already getting a kind of special benefit from getting out of the capital gains tax. So uh, that, that's why it's sort of less preferable. Now, on the other hand, there are more and less preferable recipients. Public charities and governments and that sort of thing are the most preferable recipients. So we're going to give them the 50% limit. Uh, private foundations not operating are less preferable recipients, so we're going to give them a lower limit. Yeah, I was under the impression if you gave long-term capital gain property to a charity mm -hmm. and then they turned around and liquidated it, mm -hmm. you're still obligated to the taxes on it, are you not? No, that actually has, that has more to do with, um, with tangible personal property. Uh, so that's where we care about, if I'm giving uh, a share of stock, okay, I don't care what they do with it. They can sell it the next day. It doesn't, doesn't affect me. It, does turn, it turns out that it does affect me uh, if I'm giving um, some tangible personal property like a car uh, or, um, or a, a work of art or something like that. Then it makes a difference what the charity does with it. But it doesn't make a difference if we're just talking about um, stock, for example. Yeah. Oh, you talking about the government deal? And I was reading there, like government or federal government, state and local governments are, you know, kind of more preferenced. Or mm -hmm. What would be an example of you, like, when you would give as a charitable type of gift mm -hmm. to a to a government? Okay, so question, when would you give a charitable gift to a government? You might, uh, you know, because it seems sort of silly, like I'm going to walk down the highway department and go, oh, here, you know, do, do a better job there. You know, it, it's, it's more likely that, let's say you have a, um, a, a local school district, maybe in, a, maybe in a rural area, and you want them to be able to build a new gym. 
and you say, uh, you know, principal, I'm going to write a check for you to build the gym. It'll help the community. It'll be a, a great thing. Um, and so theoretically, you could give that money, and that is a, a, a government entity, and you're, and you're giving money to that government entity. Yeah. Does the same apply for universities then? Well, you know, the, it, it does and it doesn't, because the reality is that e even though you have universities that are, you know, I'm an employee of the state of Texas, because I'm here teaching at Texas Tech, but when you give money, typically they've set up uh, separate uh, foundations that, uh, that you're actually giving the money to. So you don't actually write your check out state of Texas, you know, memo, Texas Tech University. Um, there's actually private organizations that are set up uh, that, uh, that will qualify as uh, um, typically as public charities because they're raising money from a lot of different places. That's usually how it, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying theoretically. That that's quite common, mm -hmm. right? Um, or yeah. Just a more general question. There's some really particular rules with all of this. Do we need to make sure we remember all these rules? You know, what's the big take home as we're approaching this this course? I'm wondering. Yeah. I could really get lost in the details. Especially this section. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think the answer should be? We've got a quiz coming up next week. It seems that the concepts that you're highlighting here seem to be the ones that are the most salient and the ones that we should focus on. Yeah, let's, let's do this. Um, I'm gonna, uh, what I'm going to have you do is um, by Tuesday night, Tuesday midnight of next week, I want you to submit to me your multiple choice questions. One question for chapter three, one question for chapter four, and um, one question for all, any of the other stuff that we've had. And um, that, yeah, let's do that. And then, uh, um, and then when, when I'm selecting from the questions that you submit, and we'll, we'll talk more about this at the end of the hour, I'm going to try to select those questions that relate to the stuff that's on the PowerPoint that I'm giving. Because there are some sections of charitable giving law that are really, really complex and technical, and you need to know it all. Um, this is not necessarily that. Um, so long, long, uh, long story short, if it's on the PowerPoint, then know it. Let's do it that way. Okay, because this is, I mean, it can get really, you know, well, if you're, you know, it, it, there's lots of exceptions on things that are really low dollar amount things in this area. So it's not that, I, you know, minutia is fine, I'm all for it, but this is like low dollar minutia in some cases, so it's a little, little challenging. So, so let's just do that. Let's concentrate on the things that are, that are on, the, on the slides here. It turns out that this concept, it's actually... It, it's crazy, but this is to figure out some of this stuff is, is some of the most complex stuff in all of charitable giving law. When we start getting into carrying things forward and what counts first when you carry things forward and all of that, I mean, it's, and I, I mean, I was, and not just me, I'm mean, reading another uh, text by an uh, by a attorney who's written a lot in charitable giving law, and he said these income limits is one of the most complex parts of, of charitable giving law. And it's kind of crazy that it should be, but it is. So let's just kind of focus on the things that are uh, that are uh, that we'll put up on the slides here. 
Okay, so this was the earlier question. What's this crazy thing about for the use of charity? Oh, well, um, should I give you sort of the legislative background on this? Let me give you the answer first. That's what we care about in our law school class. And then I'll tell you a little bit about what, what comes up to this. This for the use of is a term of art. It, it doesn't mean what it seems to mean. It, it, if it means anything, it means you give money that's given in trust to another entity, but the charity gets the current benefit. Okay? What does it really mean? We've only got two examples of what it really means. Okay? There's only two cases where this applies, and that is life insurance and charitable leads trusts, which you shouldn't necessarily know what even those are at this point. Um, we'll talk about those later. But um, if you pay a premium to a life insurance company for a charity-owned policy, you are paying money to the life insurance company for something that's owned by the charity. It's considered to be for the use of charity. All right? Or if you put money into a trust where the charity gets uh, immediate income, which is called the charitable leads trust or lead trust, it's a plural there, um, then that is subject to the same 30% limit. Um, those are really the only two examples of it. The, um, what was it? The legislative history on this was like somewhere back in the 20s, um, there was some court case that said that uh, something wasn't deductible because it wasn't to the charity, it was just something the charity could, be, uh, could use. And so Congress came back and said, okay, wherever it says to charity, we'll say to or for the use of, which is why we get it all in, our, uh, in, in all of the, leg the legislation now. Um, and the only cases where that for the use of have come up have been in these particular examples. Um, and there was, a, there was a Supreme Court case actually that dealt with this term, and it was because um, uh, individuals who were uh, in the um, um, LDS church were giving money to children who were missionaries while they were on their mission and wanting to deduct it, and they were arguing that, well, it's not being given to the church, but it's being given for the use of the church because I'm supporting uh, these missionaries who happen to be my children. Supreme Court came back and said that's not deductible. It's not for the use of charity because for the use of means this thing, this in-trust thing. So that's how we know what the term means. But that's maybe a little bit, yeah. We found a way around that. Okay. <laughs> I have a son on a mission. <laughs> okay. So, so tell me about that. I'm interested. Well, uh, we, we give it to the general missionary fund. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, and then, and then that's used to support. Right. You know, so it's kind of like a donor advised fund, sort of like here. Here, I mean, does he have a contractual right to it, or is it just no, no. okay? So it's like a donor advised fund. It's all, a, you know, it's all a hey, you know. It would be really nice if you did this. Dollars a month, it sure would be nice if you would yeah. pay that every month. Sure. Sure. If you know, we'll send the clerk to tell you you're four hundred behind. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that is that is how you would manage that. There you go. Yes, sir. Does it distinguish between uh, a private foundation and a public one? In this case? Uh, let's see. Yeah, for the use of, uh, it actually only matters if it's a public foundation because if it's private, it brings it down to thirty percent, but it's already thirty percent anyway. So for for the use of takes you to thirty percent which we don't care if you're giving to a private foundation because if you're giving a family foundation, you're already at 30%. So, yeah. 
Um, okay, so we've gotten through most of our property. We've got gifts of cash, capital assets, and ordinary income. What's left? All that stuff in your garage, right? Tangible personal property. That's what's left. And uh, because this, is, uh, uh, this can be small, we're going to create lots of rules for it. Actually, it, it, can, it can be big. I mean, you can have you know, a Monet painting or something like that that's, that, that's worth quite a bit. All right, so how, how do we do um, the percentages for uh, tangible personal property? Well, we have, if we're giving to a public charity and we are saying we'll take cost or the lower of cost or current uh, value, then we get to use the 50% limit. Okay, so this is uh, similar to what we saw with the stocks in the special election. Uh, in that if we say, okay, we'll just use cost basis or whichever is lower between cost basis, current value, we get the 50% limit if we go to a public charity. Uh, so basically whichever is, is smaller, in this case, if the current value of that thing is a dollar, we can only deduct a dollar. Uh, or if the uh, uh, current value is $25 but we paid a dollar for it, we can only deduct the dollar. So basically we've got to pick the smallest amount there. If we do that, then we get the 50% limit. Now. We can get the current value out of tangible personal property in our deduction, that is in this case the big $25 value. If we do that, then we drop down to the 30% uh, uh, levels. This is the same concept we saw with the share of stock, that if we say we want to take the current value and it's gone up in value, then by saying that, we, uh, we also have to accept the 30% limit. Now here's the extra part. If we're dealing with tangible personal property, something we can touch and pick up and hold, the only way we get to use this higher dollar amount is if the charity is actually physically going to use that thing. Okay? They have to use it in their charitable purposes. Okay? So for example, I might give this to a public charity that's a museum of toys. And I could say, all right, well, if they say we're going to use this uh, in our collection, then because it is put to a related use, uh, I get to uh, deduct the current value. Uh, if it is just something I'm giving to them, all they're going to do is sell it, take the money from it, then I've got to take the lower of current value or, or cost basis. Um, when we uh, <clears throat> give to a private non-operating foundation uh, in... Uh, uh, we're down to the 20% limit uh, for tangible personal property, uh, regardless of uh, what valuation we're, we're giving to it. And in this case, we're, we're getting the lower valuation and 20% max. Well, if, you, if it was a, either, <clears throat> wouldn't you want to give the highest value you could? Yeah, I mean, that's the general concept. You'd like to take the biggest deduction you could. Um, but uh, it may be that... Uh, it may be that there is no charity that is going to say we're, we can use this for our charitable purposes. Uh, and so... You just don't have a deduction at all. No. Then, you, uh, then if it's not being used for related, uh, uh, related purposes, then you're back to this, where you take the lower of current value or cost basis. Uh, so if it's gone up in value, then basically <clears throat> if it's not being used for related purposes, you get your basis. If it's gone up in value, if it's gone down in value, then you got to take. I mean, you got to take the lower of its current value or or the basis. The only time you get to take the um, the uh, current value 
even if it's higher than what you uh, paid for it, is if it's actually being used physically by the charity in their charitable purposes. So if you have a very expensive work of art, <clears throat> that is a, a work of modern art, you don't want to just give that. You want to make sure that the charity is saying, yes, we will use this as part of our collection. We're not just going to take it and sell it. Because if they take it and sell it, then um, it will mess up your uh, deduction, your valuation on your deduction, which we'll talk more about from Chapter 4. Right now we're in income limitations, and basically if you take the lower of the two values, you get the 50%. Uh, if you uh, take the higher value, you get the 30%, and it has to be related use for you to take the higher value. Uh, and it's 20% regardless of, of uh, any circumstances if you give it to a... Uh, give it to a private foundation in the same way that long-term capital gain uh, stock was the same. Okay, uh, corporations. Corporations are slightly different. Um, they basically, none of these rules apply because their limits are lower. A C corporation is limited to 10% of taxable income. So their limit is lower than all these other 20, 30, 50 limits that we're looking at. So if a corporation gives, it's limited uh, to uh, take a deduction of 10% uh, of its taxable income. S-corporations essentially don't exist for these purposes. They're just a pass-through entity, so whatever giving the S-corporation uh, does is considered to be giving of the owners, not giving of the corporation as a corporation. Okay. All right, so just to summarize uh, where we're at at this point, 50% gifts. 50% gifts are always going to be gifts going to a 50% organization, so usually a public charity. Okay. Uh, it can be cash, ordinary income, inventory, short-term capital gain. It can be long-term capital gain, but only if we make this special election or tangible personal property, but only if we're willing to take the lower of current value or uh, its, uh, its basis, how much we paid for it. Okay, so that's the trade-off there. To get these things up to the 50% level, we've got to take the lower of those two items. Then 30% gifts. Uh, these are the same list if we give it to a private foundation uh, or if we uh, give, uh, if we give uh, either long-term capital gain or tangible personal property to a public charity, but we're taking the higher deduction. If we take the higher deduction on long-term uh, capital gain uh, to the public charity, then we have the lower limit. So that's the trade-off there. Okay. And then finally, 20% gifts. Uh, that's where we have uh, going to the private foundation and we are uh, uh, taking the long-term long capital gain. doesn't matter what valuation we take on the long-term capital gain uh, or tangible personal property. It doesn't matter whether it's related or unrelated use. Uh, if we give either of these kinds of items to a private foundation, we're, we're at the 20% level. Okay, so those are the limits. Um, what happens if you give more than the limit? Well, it doesn't go away. You can use the deduction as long as you use it within five years. Um, you can use the deduction as long as it doesn't exceed the charitable deduction maximum in those years for up to five years. So it doesn't disappear. You just have to wait to use it. Um, so here's an example. Let's suppose here in year one... <clears throat> This red line represents our maximum, charitable deduction maximum. And I'm just going to make this as one line, even though we know it might be three different lines for 20, 30, and 50, but just to keep it simple. 
this is the amount we can deduct in year one. This is the amount that we gave over the limit. Okay. Now in year two, we make some more gifts in year two. We've got to count those first, the, one, the gifts we actually made in year two. But it turns out we didn't make gifts all the way up to the maximum that year. And since we didn't make them all the way up to the maximum, um, we have this space left and we can take part of that carryover and we can, we can count it in that year. Okay? Now here's a year in year three and this red line, which is our, our maximum, we made deductible gifts in year three all the way up to the maximum. So we can't use any of the carryover because you've got to count the gifts you made in that year first. So even though we have some carryover left over, we can't use it in year three because we made gifts in that year up to that maximum. Okay? And then finally, we've got year four here. We made some more deductible gifts, not all the way up to the limit, so we can take the rest of this and we can carry it over and we can count it in, in that year. So you do get to count those deductions uh, eventually, um, but uh, you may have to wait uh, and wait depending on how much uh, you make in terms of other gifts and what your, uh, what your income is for that particular year. And yes? Will you always use the, the current year first? The one yes. examples seem confusing to me. That yeah, I should always use the current year first. Okay. Yeah. Um, here's an example. What happens if we start getting multiple years worth of carryover? Uh, the basic rule is the oldest carryover deductions are used first. Uh, which makes sense because they're the ones that are going to expire first. You want to use those ones up, those up first. So let's say here, year one, uh, same scenario, we uh, gave over the limit. Year two, we do the same thing. We give over the limit. Now in year three, we um, uh, gave, but not all the way up to the limit, so we can count some carryover. Which ca carryover do we count? We count the oldest carryover. So we pull this over. Year four, we made gifts all the way up to the limit, so we can't count any of our carryover. Year five, we make some gifts. We can pull over the rest of our year one carryover, and we can start carrying over a chunk. We start using a chunk of our year two carryover. So basically, oldest first in the way that that, uh, in the way that, that carries over. Okay. Uh, what happens to a carryover deduction if you don't itemize? Uh, in other words, I don't want to deal with all this, I'll just take the standard deduction. Well, what happens is the carryover is reduced as if you took the largest possible charitable deduction. Uh, so, for example, let's say we start out with the same situation here. Year one, I make gifts over the limit. In year two, um, I could have, uh, I had sort of potentially deductible gifts that were made in year two. Um, how much of my carryover is eliminated? Well, I can't deduct any of those, and all of this that I could have deducted, I could have carried over. Well, I don't, get, I don't carry it over because I took the standard deduction, but it basically disappears. It's treated as if I carried it over. So whatever the maximum amount you could have carried over, um, that amount disappears if you take the standard deduction. Okay? So you're, you're treated as if you declared the maximum amount that you could and you use up that much of your, of your carryover. Okay, how do the different limits work together? Um, look, are, you, are you guys okay to go another 10 minutes? Because then I can end this section and then we can get to yours. Okay, this is where we start getting a little bit even more complex, okay? And we're not gonna get as complex as we could just for the sake of getting complex, but there are some basic ideas. We've got 20% limits, 30% limits, two different kinds of 30% limits, and a 50% limit. How does all this work together when we start making gifts? <clears throat> Here is, I think, the easiest way to think of it. 
Think of it in terms of having four glasses that will hold, um, not necessarily wine, here we're thinking of charitable giving. We've got the all gifts glass. That glass, all gifts to anybody, any source, can hold up to 50% of your income. Okay? Any overflow on any of these has to be carried over, has to be carried forward. Okay? You've also got this glass that is all capital gain property uh, except for special election property. That is all the capital gain property uh, except for this uh, special election where you say, I'm willing to um, reduce the value so I can get the 50% limit. Okay? Then you've got all gifts to private foundations. This actually includes four, uh, gifts for the use of public charities, but those are so rare, we'll just call it all gifts to private foundations. These are actually two separate glasses, and this is where it gets confusing. That the all capital gain property, uh, except special election that gets the 50% rule, is a separate glass from the all gifts to private foundations. Okay? And then you've got the final glass, which is capital gain property to, to private foundations that counts for 20%. So if you think of these things as four separate glasses and recognize that one gift may pour into multiple glasses, and if you have any uh, spillage, uh, any uh, excess on any of the glasses, that amount has to be, it can't be deducted in the current year. It has to be carried forward. Let me run through some examples to show you what I mean about why it helps to think of this as four separate glasses. Okay, let's do a basic scenario. We've got somebody with $100,000 of income, and we're going to try to pour into these glasses this gifting during the year. We're going to pour into these glasses $30,000 of fair market value capital gain property to a public charity. Now, why do I say fair market value? That means we didn't use the special election. We didn't give up that fair market value to get the 50%, so we're doing this all capital gain property here. Okay? And I made a $20,000 cash gift to a private foundation. Now, when I try to pour that level of gifting into these four glasses, what happens? Well, what happens is uh, this glass, capital gain property to private foundations, doesn't have anything in it because I didn't give any capital gain property to private foundation. I gave cash to a private foundation. This one, all gifts to a private foundation, it holds $20,000. It can hold up to 30% of income. We're saying income's $100,000, so you don't have to you know, do math uh, in your head. That works. It will hold it. Uh, how much of all capital gain property do we have? Well, $30,000. The rest was cash. It will hold that. How much of all gifts altogether do we have? Altogether, we made $50,000 in gifts. This glass will hold it. We can deduct all of this giving in that year. No carryover is necessary. Okay, so all of the glasses held. Let's give another example. No carryover, all deductions allowed. Okay, let's get a little bit more complicated. Which gifts get counted first if the total is too great? Which gifts do we count? Which gifts do we carry over? Let's give another example. It turns out that the same preference that we gave to 50%, 30%, 20%, we're going to carry that preference through. So the gifts that get counted first are the gifts that we prefer. Cash to public charities, we prefer those gifts. 
um, or uh, short-term capital gain to public charity, we prefer those gifts. Okay? A little bit less preferred, still giving to public charity, but here where we take the full fair market value um, uh, of the capital gain, we're going to put that in second order, but we're still giving to public charity. What gets counted third, if we have too much gifting, uh, is, the, uh, is the cash and, uh, uh, and short-term capital gain going to a private foundation. And what gets counted last is the uh, long-term capital gain going to a private foundation. So let's try to put all these things together uh, into one example. Okay, same scenario. Now the gifting that I'm doing is I gave $30,000 cash to public charity. I have $100,000 income. I have $30,000 fair market value capital gain also to a public charity. What happens when I try to pour these gifts into the existing glasses? Well, what happens is that I made $60,000 of gifts, and that's more than half my income. So I don't get to declare it all. That doesn't, I can't count all of that because I'm trying to put $60,000 of, uh, of gifts into a glass that will only hold $50,000, 50% of my income. Now this glass is fine because capital gain property, I only made $30,000 gift for capital gain property, um, but, uh, uh, but that glass can hold it. Okay, so we know we can't deduct all of that. Which do we get to deduct in this year? Which gift is deductible? And the way it works is that cash to public charity is always preferred, so we get to deduct that first. So that $30,000 cash to public charity, we're going to deduct that this year. We can deduct $20,000 of the fair market value capital gain property uh, to the public charity, but whatever's, uh, whatever gets spilled, that $10,000, we are going to have to carry that over. And it's that same idea of certain kinds of gifts we, we prefer as far as tax policy goes, and certain kinds of, kinds of recipients we prefer as far as tax policy goes, and so we're going to carry that preference all the way through into which kind of gifts do we carry, uh, do we uh, make weight before they're deducted. We have a $10,000 carryover. It is a carryover of the capital gain property. Okay, let's take another example. Uh, in this case, we have $100,000 of income made $2,000 cash gift to public charity. We know that's going to get counted first. $56,000 of capital gain property to a public charity and $5,000 cash to a private foundation. What happens when we try to pour that into our glasses? Well, we have spillage in a couple of places. Um, we don't have any gifting taking place here. Our gifts to private foundations, well, that didn't cause any problems. All capital gain property, well, a $56,000 gift, that's more than the 30%, so we're going to lose some there. And then if you add all those together, uh, then we get $73,000, so we're going to lose some there. So how does that actually break down into what we wind up carrying over? Well, um, over here, we say from this cup, we were able to keep $30,000 of the capital gain, and we lost $26,000 of the capital gain, okay? Because of, uh, we only get to keep the 30%. From this cup, we're losing uh, different kinds of property. Uh, we have uh, the $2,000 cash that gets counted first, so we're going to count that. The $48,000 of fair market value capital gain property in, in this cup that will hold, that will stay in this cup. What doesn't stay? 
well, we've got this overage and we're going to take part of the capital gain property. Not the, so this is like $56,000 here. We're going to keep part of it, part of it we have to carry over. And then giving to private foundation, we don't like that as much, so we're going to force that to, uh, to uh, carry over. Now, notice the rule is any spillage anywhere has to be carried over. It turns out that we only had a spillage of $8,000 of the capital gain property from this cup, but we had a spillage of $26,000 of that capital gain property in this cup. And so because of that, we're going to have to carry over that $26,000. Okay? So it's the amount that spilled out of this cup was $26,000. We kept $30,000 of the capital gain, but $26,000 is what spilled out. Okay? Now, in this, the private foundation uh, money uh, spilled out the 5000 and 8000 of that capital gain property spilled out. But it turns out that um, we're already having to carry forward $26,000 of the capital gain property. And so, since we're already having to carry it forward, it actually doesn't really matter that this also spilled over on this cup as well as on this cup, because once you've spilled over, you've spilled over. So, what we have is we have carryover of the $26,000 of the capital gain property because it spilled out of this cup and $5,000 of the Castor Private Foundation because it spilled out of that cup. Okay? When determining what actually carries over, you take wherever it spilled the most. So the capital gain property, wherever it spilled the most, is there, whereas the, the all gifts private foundations, it spilled the most in the all gifts. And so yeah, I mean, if you want to think of it that way, that's, that's fine. It's just, it's sort of the idea of saying, this $26,000 spilled over here, and so it's got to carry forward. Now here, 8000 of it spilled, uh, spilled over, which we are going to carry, carry forward that 8000 but we're actually going to do more than that, $26,000. This is however sort of helps you think through. So the preference is always given to the public charity gifts first. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so you look at that, that's uh -huh. why you couldn't take the 5000 cash uh -huh. before. Exactly. And so that comes back to this idea, um, which is first we're going to take all of the uh, cash uh, gifts to the charity or the um, uh, lower of basis or value on long-term uh, uh, property gifts to the public charity. We're going to take all those first. Next, we're going to take the rest of the gifts to the public charity, which is um, where we have the uh, long-term capital gain and we take the the fair market value, the higher amount. Then we're going to get to, so you're seeing these are the favored recipients, they're first. Disfavored recipients, they're second. These are the favored kinds of gifts, cash. This is the disfavored kind of gift. Well, you're already kind of getting a benefit because you're taking fair market value on this. This is the favored kind of gift, cash or, uh, or ordinary income, which is very similar to cash uh, in tax treatment. Uh, and then this is the disfavored, the, um, the long-term capital gain. So that's, that's why we get this order, and we carry that through, which gets picked up first. Yeah. Um, I forgot your short list of what, are the, what all was considered a public charity. Is there just like a short list? Like Salvation Army is the only thing I keep thinking, but churches as well, right? Yeah, Salvation Army, churches, Red Cross. Basically anything that you think of as, as charity, except for private family foundations that are just grant-making organizations, that's all going to be public charity. Yeah, or a government or some other things.
Okay. Okay. One last example. Then, uh, then I think we'll we'll break there. Um, okay. So we're down here to this and to that. Uh, so if we want to take that and say, how does that actually work out? It works out that that $5,000 cash to private foundation, we don't get to deduct any of that this year because it's disfavored. It's going to private foundation. It gets left out uh, uh, first um, or gets carried last, however you want to think of it. The $2,000 cash to public charity, well, that's always going to get deducted first. So we get to deduct all that. And then the 56000 capital gain property, fair market value capital gain property to public charity, well, we can deduct $30,000 of it this year, but the rest has to carry over. Okay, uh, okay so let's do this example uh, as the last one. Straightforward. I'm going to give $20,000 of fair market value capital gain property to a public charity, and I'm going to give $20,000 of capital gain property to a private foundation. Doesn't matter whether it's fair market value or not on that. What happens here? $20,000 of capital gain property to private foundation. No problem. It'll hold 20% of income. Not an issue there. All gifts to private foundations, $20,000. It's all my gifts to private foundations. No problem there. All gifts to all organizations, $40,000. No problem there. Where's the problem? This cup. All capital gain property except the special election, and we're not using any special election property here because it's the fair market value, all capital gain property. We can hold 30% of income in this cup of all capital gain property. We gave two types of capital gain property, $20,000 to a private foundation, $20,000 to a public charity where we took fair market value. Now, I show you this as an example because that $20,000 capital gain property to a private foundation, where does it show up? It shows up here and here and here and here. Okay, that one gift goes into all four cups, all four glasses, because it is a capital gain property to private foundation gift. It is a gift to a private foundation, and it is a gift of capital gain, and it's a gift. Right? So it goes into all four glasses, and there is one that spills over, this one, because there's too much in it. So I think, um, how do we divide that out? We know we've got some spillage here. So we take the gift to the public charity first. We take all of it. Then we take as much as we can of the gift to the private foundation. But this $10,000 spillage, because we put $40,000 into this cup that will only hold $30,000, that has to be carried over. And so we have a $10,000 carryover of capital gain property uh, given to a private foundation. And uh, if all of that doesn't make you want to um, take a drink during this break, um, it uh, will end, end there. That's fine. Oh, okay. Okay, we'll do a question after. Let's take a 10-minute break and come back. And uh, if you do have your presentations on a uh, memory stick and you'd like to go ahead and load it up on the desktop, you can do that during the break. No, it's all gifts, all gifts. Yeah, yeah, all gifts to, to any source. Okay. Let's say I'm not so sure that I, uh, I picked a um, like charity. Would you pretend that it is? That's fine. <laughs> That's why I did this first, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going gonna, gonna to save them on the desktop here. <laughs> 